naming children together can make one question their choice in a partner. I had the very best names that I just knew I was going to name my kids when I had them. And I knew that whoever I chose as a spouse was going to just be, think these names were wonderful. And then I got pregnant and started listing these names to my beloved. And he vetoed all of my very best names. Plus, to add insult to injury, he wanted to name our child after my least favorite person in the third grade. It was difficult. Thank goodness that when you've progressed to naming a child with someone, you've gotten pretty committed. So you have to write it out and it generally turns out okay. It is a huge deal though, what you name this human being. It's a big responsibility along with, of course, raising them. I had a friend tell me recently that he wanted to name his cat Hot Dog, which his wife stopped. They settled on Biscuit. Naming animals does not seem quite so serious, but important nonetheless. We tend to name all kinds of things. My mother-in-law, when we were pregnant with Naya, her first grandchild, decided while we were pregnant that she wanted to be called Granny Annie, because her name is Annie. It's cute, right? It's a great name, Granny Annie. But then Naya was born, and at 18 months, she was a precocious talker, but not a very succinct one, and she attempted to say it, and it came out dangy. Y'all, that woman is dangy to this day. Her oldest grandchild, Naya, is almost 11 years old. She even introduces herself as such. Everybody in the family calls her Dangi. It's the cutest thing. Whatever that little grandchild wanted to call her and name her, that's who she wanted to be. She owned it. The same is often true for negative naming, unfortunately. People can internalize what they are called and how they are spoken of and about, and it can have serious effects on their lives if they allow it to identify them. What defines us matters to our sense of who we are and to our futures. This morning, we intersect with Jesus's life and ministry at the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus was there to name some things and to show us how to call out evil before it names us. The scribes were gathered that day to do their thing, what they would normally do on a Sunday morning or a Sabbath day morning. They would gather and they were responsible for uh, interpreting and teaching the scriptures to the people. They were the, the preachers of the group. And at that time, there was no sense that an individual could have any kind of ability to interpret God's word by themselves. A lot of them were illiterate anyway, but there was a sense that this was a particular calling of these folk, these scribes, who were meant to tell the people what God had for them in God's word. So Jesus entering the joint, not being a scribe, and teaching with authority, and as the scripture says, not like the scribes did, and he didn't have any kind of credentials, it really shook things up. And as he flexed that authority and as people were wowed by it and amazed by it, a man possessed by a demon entered the synagogue. 
And that particular timing communicated a couple things. That timing of Jesus speaking in the synagogue without the official credentials from the religious authorities, but with this incredible power that people sensed and saw in him. It showed that Jesus had the authority not just to speak in a space of power, but actual power over the spiritual realm. And second, it unveiled the evil that had been used to oppress and mislead the people that had come straight from the scribes in that community of faith. We learned something very important from this passage. Nothing that oppresses God's people can cohabitate with Jesus. It will be named and summarily dismissed. It's incredible. As a mom, I have some experience at naming things, not just actual humans, as I have named two, come up with first names and middle names that my husband and I could both agree on for two kids, which is a feat. But I have a larger role as a mom in naming things for these two, in helping grow these humans and helping them distinguish between what is real and what is not, what is of value and what is not, what they should internalize about themselves and the world and what they should leave behind. I have had to name the space under the bed as empty and safe when it is imagined to have ghoulies underneath. I have had to, to name precious ones as precious when their peers have told them otherwise. I've had to remind my kids who they are when they're acting in ways that are hurtful to themselves and to others. Naming is important. Naming is powerful. And if we do not, my siblings in the faith, name the demons in our midst, they will name us. Think about it for a second. When we have those feelings and temptations to beat ourselves up, to think of ourselves as less than beloved children of God, to make the sin that we have done our identity, to allow our abusers to define us, to stoop to the expectations of those who assume we are at our worst. That is our demons naming us. And that's just really the tip of the iceberg for our demons. There are ways that we are attempting, tempted to name others too which is also demonic, judging others based on their circumstances when we know nothing of what happened to them to create those circumstances, assuming the worst from people, thinking that any child of God is less than any other for any reason. If we do not name evil and summarily dismiss it, it will name us. It will make us small and weak, and ineffective. It will feed us greed, ignorance, and revenge, and leave us starving for God's grace. People of God, if you can recognize these lies for what they are, they cannot define you. They are not, after all, who you really are. Hear me this morning. Your real identity is beloved. Your real name is child of God. 
Your sin is not who you are. Your brokenness is not who you are. The estimation of others is not who you are. If you feel tempted to believe that, take a stand against it. If you need to, take a page out of Jesus' book and say, shush it. Get out, demons. You have no power over me, lies. That is not who I am. And when those same lies tempt you to believe others that are, are anything less than beloved children of God, cast them out too. Take a stand. It is not who you are. What is true about you is that you belong. What is true about you is that you are beloved. What is true about you is that your destiny is in God's love. God sets us free to be who we were made to be, and the power of God's love allows us to embrace our true identity and name the false ones for what they are, powerless. Amen.